Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. I want to teach on something today, and actually we're going to roll into uh, next week as well. But the title of it is Dreams. Everybody say, Dreams? Dreams? You know, and I know that when I bring up the topic of dream or having a dream or if you're kind of on another like fully into that vein it would be you know a vision for your life and and I I understand that some people just have a super bend that way and it's very easy for them to go that way but then equally there's other people that when you bring up the topic of dream or a dream um, or having dreams for their life or a vision or something along those lines it doesn't come that easy and it's it's hard for them. And so there's even a little bit of an awkwardness. And so today really what I'm hoping to do is maybe bring a little clarity to that. But whether it comes natural or not, realize this, and I want to maybe even supplement a couple words for the word dream, and that is this, is that whether it comes natural or not, God created us to live with a positive expectation of our tomorrow. That's another word for dream is a positive, there's an expectation in our heart. And this doesn't go if you're 18, if you're 40, if you're 60, if you're 80, where there is a positive expectation or maybe the word a preferred outcome where you look and you say, hey, I would like the outcome, a preferred outcome versus a maybe a dreaded outcome in our, our life or maybe an aspiration in your heart. There's an, I have this aspiration or, or you know, if I'm, it's maybe it's a dream per se for your future. You know, and as we go through things in our life, a dream or an aspiration is one of the major things that fuels us in a time of adversity in our life. You know, we just came through and we're kind of still coming out of, but the whole COVID thing right there, and I realize that it, some people it affected more than other people. But you look, if you look at Jesus, what it says about him is it says about Jesus that when he went to the cross, it says this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. I think it's interesting that Jesus, there was an aspiration in a dream that was beyond going to the cross. And so it fueled him where he was. And sometimes when we're going through things in our life is that if we can't see beyond it, it's depressing. It's discouraging. But if you, what I love is one of the purposes of God's word or the Bible is to inspire hope on the inside of us. And the natural question is, how, well, how do I know if, if what I, you know, what I want to do, how do I know if what I feel like I want to do or what I'm in this direction, how do I know if it's God and it's not just me? How do I feel if what I feel led to do with my life is what God has for my life? And that is an, a great, honest question. And my goal today is to hopefully bring an answer to that question. But I believe that God has placed a dream in every person's heart and a desire to progressively reveal it as we seek him in our life. Because what we'll see is that is the way that God reveals it in our life. We were created to dream. 
You read throughout the Bible, you see that God would give them a, he would show them a picture or he would speak to them in regard to it. And as I said, another word for dream is an aspiration. And I want to maybe ask you today, gosh, what are your aspirations for tomorrow, next month, next year, next, what are your aspirations or desires or that spark that's on the inside? I think that we've complicated and even limited the voice of God and his, and the leading of God in our lives because of an inaccurate understanding of how he speaks and leads our life. Is that we've, we've got this view of this is the way that God is going to do it. And you say, what do you mean? We live in an incredibly loud outside world. How many of you are with me? We live in a loud outside world. And so because of that, we're looking for an outside loud audible voice in our life to follow because we're a very outside loud world that we live in. And so we come over to God and, and I wanna lay a foundation for how God sees us and that it will affect my ability to hear him in my life. That, and I realize that standing up here, there's just a vast majority of different spiritual backgrounds, but the most important thing is I'm basing my belief about God on his word and not just what I heard from Aunt, Aunt Jemima. How many of you know what I'm saying? That I'm not, just believe, I'm not just basing my belief about God on somebody that something that somebody told me, but it's actually rooted in the Bible because realize God said that he and his word are one. They're one in the same. And so I want to just lay a foundation. And in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says this. This is about Jesus, but it says, To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I want you to think about that statement. Today we live in a world that is crying out, That's my right. This is my right. Look at what God said right there. Because of Jesus, we have a right to be children of God. I mean, stand up and just say, I'm a child of God. I, this is my right. Look at what it says. It says they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting in human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. What I want you to notice is God said, it is your right to become my child because of what Jesus did for you. And then he said this, but it isn't a natural birth. It is a birth that comes from God. It is a totally different than the natural thing. God said, I am literally his child. He gave me that right. And I'm reborn, but it's not a physical thing. John 15, 15, Jesus said this, he, just, he said, I do not call you servants any longer, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends, because I have revealed to you everything that I have heard from my father. Notice this, is first God says about me that I am reborn and that I am now, it is a right to be a child of God. Now God says, I not only call you, but he said, I don't call you servants and I not only called you a child of mine, but he said, I call you friends. 
I call you a friend of mine. Look at that statement. God sees me as a friend and wants to reveal to me that he is not only my friend, but that he's got my future in his hands. Romans 8, 15 and 16 say this. So you have not received a spirit. Notice that spirit there is small s that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit, capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. When he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Abba or Daddy Father. Now look at verse 16. For his spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit, that's my human spirit, to affirm that we are God's children. So I have been adopted into God's family. I'm 100% a child of God. God wants me to see him as a friend that wants to reveal, and he wants me to relate to him like this is my right because of what Jesus did. It's not my right because I've earned it. It's my right because of what Jesus did to get me. It, and I, what I love about this, look at what Jesus said when he was getting ready to leave in John 14. Verse 16 and 17, he said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Have you ever had somebody before tell you, man, I'm in for the long haul, brother. I will never leave you. And they ain't around no more. How many of you know what I'm saying? Look at what he said. He said, God said that I'm going to give you another advocate, amplified says comforter, that he will never leave you. Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit. Look at what he's going to do, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Now look at this because he lives with you now and later will be in you. What I want you to notice is this, is God said that it's a right to be, to be a child of God. He said that I have adopted you as my own. He said, you are a friend of mine that I want to reveal the future and I want to reveal what I have for you. And he said, the Holy Spirit is gonna come on the inside of you and you're gonna be born of the Spirit. He said, it's not a natural birth. You're used to listening, focusing, and only being motivated by natural things in your natural ear. But he said, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he comes in you, he said, you're going to be born of the Spirit. Realize this, that the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, and we have been born of the Spirit. He's not just with me, but he's in me. He's in me. The Holy Spirit is with you, and, and what I love about it is that he's going to be within you, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you. And I want to just, God can and he will speak audibly. He will. But his primary way to lead us is from where he lives on the inside of us. And that is in our spirit on the inside. That is his primary way to lead us. He stirs things up. He plants desires in our heart. And then as we pursue him, we begin to move toward those. And, and it just begins to move in that direction. I want you to think about, and I want to read a story, but um, when the disciples, after uh, Jesus was crucified, they all came together and they basically said, okay, 
um, they're reflecting on uh, Judas had betrayed himself, and Peter remembers a scripture about it. And I want to read in Acts 1, verse 16 and 17. Peter says, his brothers, he said, the scripture had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Jump down to verse 20. Peter continued. This was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day that he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas and also known as Justice and Matthias. It says, they all prayed, oh Lord, you know the heart, you know every heart. Show us which one of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Verse 26. Then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. What I want you to notice is this. It says that they, first they relied on the scripture. They reflected on, this is what the psalmist said. They relied on the scripture. Next is they believed that God was leading them right where they were at. The third thing is they had mutual accountability with each other. They all came together and they, they stopped and said, okay, we need to make a decision. Let's talk. Then they prayed. And then it says this, they drew lots. Do you know what drawing lots is like? You guys stand up if you would. Drawing lots is like, we're going to say you're Matthias and you're Justice. Drawing lots is like having these two guys stand up and they said, God's going to pick you. Take a straw. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. You didn't make it. <laughs> what I want you to notice was this. Now, how many of you think, to me, I look at that and I'm like, how spiritual is that? How many of you know what I'm saying? That is like flipping a coin. Is it not? Be honest. That is like, but what I love about this is the foundation that was laid on it. They relied on the scripture. They believed God was leading. They had mutual accountability. They prayed, and then there was an action point that they drew straws. And what they believed was God was so big, he's not small, he's not fragile. He was so big that he was going to lead that decision. And I think in America today, we've got this view of God that he's small, and we could just eat a little bit wrong and miss what he's got for our life. Excuse me, God is really, really big and he's navigating our lives. He's navigating our lives. You know, I love this as they believed God, but man, how many of you know, Judas was not a good one to pick. How many of you are with me? Judas, I mean, you can sit there and say, we don't need another Judas. We don't need, and they drew straws to determine who the person was that was going to replace him. And I want you to think about this for a moment. If you had a child that you had sacrificed everything to get, and, and you knew that they, they, they wanted what you wanted for their lives, 
you would let them know what you wanted for their life. Would you not? You would let them know what you wanted for their life. God is the same way. He's the same way. He's not fragile. We've had this view that, that, that this is the way that God is going to speak to me. And this is the way that God is going to lead me. And I am convinced that we as Christians have tuned our ears to the outside saying, God, speak to me. And God is continually speaking, but we're not listening in the right place. And we've got to be able to get quiet in a loud world and say, God, what are you leading? And, and, and what are you directing in my life? See, God wants to teach us how to hear him on the inside. He wants to teach us how to be sensitive to him on the inside. Look at what it says in Psalms 37, verse 3 through verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart or your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. What I want you to notice is this. He said that, that trust in the Lord and do good, delight yourself in him, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What God does is, and look at this, look at what he said at the end. He said, commit everything you do to the Lord. Many times what we do is we have desires on the inside and we get locked up and we say, is this me or is this God? And God is saying, just seek me, just come after me and whatever you're doing, commit it to me and I'll make sure that everything moves in the right direction. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter two, verse 13. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God works on the inside of us in that sometimes in our life we'll say, is this me or is this God? It's both. It's you and God. God put the desire on the inside and as you pursue him and go after him, that thing begins to unfold in your life. I'm gonna make a statement right now that I think is gonna shock some of us, but I want you to kind of just stay with me and stay on the horse, and that is this. Just because it's God's plan for my life doesn't mean it's gonna be a blessing to my life. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? If I do it his way, and I'm healthy, and I keep him first, and I'm self-aware, and I continue to grow, and I keep my head and my feet on the ground, I'm just gonna tell you his desire for your life is gonna be really, 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 really good. It's gonna be huge. But realize this, is that if I don't, it can probably screw me up. Because, not because of him, but because my capacity to handle what he has for my life must increase in order to handle what he has for my life. If my capacity doesn't grow as I follow him, then understand it, I will implode when he brings it into my life because I don't have the capacity. Have you ever been around somebody and they maybe got married, but they needed to grow up before they got married? How many of you know what I'm saying? Or maybe they were blessed with something, but now it's messed with their head and it's messed with their heart. Their capacity didn't grow. You know, there's a, um, a guy that wrote a book and I read it a long time ago, but his name was Will, William Clinton. I'm not talking about Bill Clinton. His name was William Clinton. 
and he wrote a book. He was a theological guy and he wrote a book and it was called All the Leaders of the Bible. And he just did a statistical. He basically said that in the Bible, there's 300 leaders that the Bible gives us a lot of details about. It tells us a lot about their life and their situation and everything. And he went through each one of their lives and he said that out of 300 of them, he said only 75 of them finished well. In other words, 75 percent, uh, 225 of them didn't finish well, and the other 25 percent or 75 percent didn't end well. And you say, why is it? Well, it wasn't because they weren't anointed Elijah. It wasn't because they weren't strong enough Samson. It wasn't because they weren't smart enough Solomon. It wasn't because they weren't a good leader Moses. It wasn't because they didn't have good counselors, Rehoboam. It wasn't because they didn't have a right plan, the Israelites. It wasn't because of any of that, but my heart, which is my inside, believing, thinking, reasoning, and choosing, it affects everything. It absolutely affects everything in my life. And if what's going on, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, but things have happened, and I realize this, I find this, that my number one job is to keep my heart right. Because if my heart stays right, that's my inside thinking, believing, reasoning, and choosing. If that stays right, God can lead, and it will always end up in the right place. But if I let stuff get into my heart, what happens, what I'm believing, what I'm thinking, what I'm reasoning, and what I'm doing, even though God has an incredible dream, desire, and plan, what's in my heart can just screw it all up. It can screw it up. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That is a powerful statement. He said, above all, it determines the course of my life. Notice this. God didn't say that what happens to me determines the course of my life. God didn't say even what he desires for my life determines the course of my life. He said, what I let get into my heart or my inside, it determines the course of my life. And so when we talk about God leading us, realize that, that God is saying, okay, I'm in you. I'm going to lead you. I have a plan for you. I'm going to put dreams in you. But you have to keep your heart right because the enemy's number one job is going to be to clog you up on the inside and stall you out where you're not growing, you're not seeking me, you're not knowing me, and it limits your capacity to step into. When we bought our kids bikes, the very first bike that we got them was a little tiny plastic thing that basically it had four wheels on it and they had to learn to just sit on that thing and as long as they didn't whack their head on the concrete then we would move them up to a trike and then once they could master the trike then they went to a two-wheeler with some training wheels and as long as they could master that then we would take the training wheels off then when the training wheels came off what we did is we got them a little bit bigger bike realize this we always believed they could ride a bike but they had to start right where they were at 
at and master their capacity to balance and do and be able to handle themselves. And as they could, we got them another one and another one and another one and another one. That's how God is with us. That's how he is. You know, I was talking, uh, I'm getting too excited. I'll calm down. (laughs) I was talking with uh, someone in another state this past week, and they're a good friend of mine. um, They... They're not, in, they're not a pastor. They're, um, actually, they're an accountant, but they're just a really good friend. And we were talking, and about two years ago, um, they had lost their mate to an unexpected tragedy, and it was devastating to them. And they had lost their mate, and they just realized that I got to get my heart right because I do want to meet somebody, but I realize that I got all this stuff, and I got to get my heart right before I can meet somebody. And so finally, after a couple years, they decided, okay, I'm going to go to one of those Christian match sites. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, how many of you know not everybody on the Christian match site is a Christian? They just want a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe, I don't know, I'm not going to judge that, but they said that they, so they went on this Christian match site and basically um, said, okay, and they prayed and they said, okay, Lord, I need you to just bring, and, and, I, and I'm not knocking Christian, mat, Christian uh, match sites. How many of you are with me? There's nothing wrong with that, but you better be, you, you better have some conviction in regard to going on that site. So they went on, and finally they, they talked to me, and they said, I went through 12 or 13 dates, and they said, I've quit. They said, I ain't, it's ridiculous. I was laughing. I'm like, what do you mean? You know what I'm saying? And they said this, They said, I'm not going to generalize, but I could basically summarize everybody that I went out with. (laughs) They said they're sitting there eating and they're thinking, I said, one person, (laughs) they asked them a question and they just fully manifested. You know what I'm saying? They were just like, they were just like, they thought, is this person demon possessed? You know, it's like, (laughs) and they, but they said that everybody fit into two groups. They said that one group was they were resentful, angry, and distrusting. And the other group was they just wanted to have sex and jump in the rack. And and pretty much they said, they they said, I've just quit. Forget it. I'm done. And then they said, I came up with a list of questions now that I'm going to ask before I ever go. But what what it basically boiled down to is this. I believe that every person that got together had a desire And God was stirring that desire in them, that there's somebody else out there. But what had happened is, is the stuff that had happened had clogged up their heart. And now the resentment or the anger or, you know, I'm going to find, you know, love is sex. No, love is not sex. Sex is the icing on the cake. It is not the cake. Are you with me? You got to bake the cake first before you put the icing on. If you just eat icing, you will get sick. Okay. Is in, in, but I believe that, I cannot believe this. I'm out of time. This is terrible. Can I just give you two levels or two types of dreams? I'm going to go quick. There's what I call destination dreams and fingerprint dreams. We see these in the Bible. Destination dreams is there's a solid end date. There's a solid end date. There's a payoff. Oh, I'm going to get this much. 
Oh, there, I'm going to go somewhere. Oh, this is a personal goal in my life. Oh, I want to get married. There's a solid end date. You got married. Or, you know, you, you, you could be like Parker and Anna Maria. They want 10 kids. There's a solid end date. How many of you know what I'm saying? There's a solid, there's an edge, maybe an educational goal. There's an end date and you can see it. It's practical and it's largely within your control. And, but usually these, these types of dreams, destination dreams are largely superficial. And many times God uses them to reveal a fingerprint dream. You know, and we're just going along and all of a sudden we got this destination dream and in route, the apostle Paul had a destination dream. He was going to Damascus to persecute Christians. Well, in route to that dream, God interrupted him. If you look at David in route to bringing his brothers um, bread and cheese when they were fighting the Philistines, God revealed, oh, this is the big picture dream. If you stop and you think about Moses, he was had a destination. He was leading sheep, but God spoke to him in that place and, and, and drew him out. But fingerprint dreams are this, is it's unique and it encompasses you and the certain gifts and skills that are unique to you. And they're your, it's your sweet spot when you're flowing in that. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is God. See, desires God has made uniquely to you and the journey that maybe you've been through and the things that you face and so forth and so on. It's bigger and it's deeper than a destination dream. It's meant to not just bless you, but to bless others. You have an idea, but you can't figure it all out. You can't make it happen. And so what it does is it requires you to have faith. You think you have it and then it doesn't go your way and you have to back up and say, God, I'm going to trust you in regard to it. It should force us to ask God for help and to deepen our dependence on him, to deepen our awareness of his goodness within our life, of his love for our life, of his grace over our life. It should deepen it. And what it is, is it is a fingerprint dream that is birthed in a time of faith, but it leads to faith. It should lead us to trust and to love God more in our life. It's trusting and willing to step out in how he made you, knowing that he's got you. He's got you. That's what he should do. You know, you think about it. As Christians, we have available to us a deeper, and I believe that we're called to both in our life. God wants you to have destination dreams for your life, goals, natural goals for your life. But equally, those will never water your fingerprint dreams that God has for you. He, that's the only being in that thing for your life. See, it's one of the things that separate us from the world and causes us to have significance and security in our life. You know, it says, the psalmist said this, he said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He was facing something but he on the inside. And realize this, is God usually doesn't reveal it all at once. It's progressively as you follow him. As I just stop and say, God, I'm just gonna do my best, put one foot in front of the other, and he reveals it as I follow him in my today. You say, why is that? Because we couldn't handle it. We would try to make it all happen. How many of you are kind of mechanics and you just can kind of force it and make it happen. 
We're going to see that when we make it happen, it messes it up. But when we let him develop us and it happens, we actually step into it where it's a huge blessing and healthy for our lives. 